I'll, you know, I'll go a bit late because I don't mind missing the worship so long as I get there for the service. The worship is so important, it really is. And we are so blessed to have a, a team of worship leaders that can take us into that throne room. It's precious. We need to learn how to get there more often, more quickly. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's nothing to do with what I'm going to preach tonight. <laughs> yeah, amen. I know I get an amen from the band. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I'm just going to go back to basics. I like going back to basics, don't you? You know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes the devil will say to us, well, you know, you know all that already. You don't need to hear it again. You know all that. You know all the basics. You know about laying on of hands. You know about Jesus healing your diseases. But, you know, sometimes we... We kind of let it slide. We let all these things slide, the basics slide. The basics of faith, the basics of what we believe. We just let it slide. So I'm just going to look over a few things tonight, just um, share a few things. I'm going to start looking at one of the, my favorite healing chapters in the whole of the Bible, Matthew 8. So you can open your Bibles there while I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we magnify your name tonight. We just worship you. You are the mighty God. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much, that you didn't just come and die to save us from hell. You came, Jesus, and you suffered for us, that we might receive life now on this earth, that we might receive healing for our bodies, that we might receive peace for our minds that we might receive all those things which the devil stole. And we give you praise and honor and glory, Father, that as we look into your word tonight, maybe there are some here that just need to know that you are a loving, caring God that loves us enough to heal us. And we thank you, Father, that for all that you do in us and all that you're going to do this night. Father, we thank you that this word is seed and we open our hearts to be good ground tonight so that we can receive that seed and produce fruit that we might go away changed, that we might take away with us tonight that precious treasure, that we might be able to, to use it daily in our lives, that it might not be something we leave at the door when we go out, that we might not just have a blessed time and think, well, wasn't that a good meeting, but that we might take home a nugget, Father, that we can live by. We give you praise and glory and honor tonight for that, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I thought I'd look at healing and health, you know. I used to get real confused about healing and health, and I don't know about you, but um, I found myself speaking health but believing healing, or he believing health and speaking healing, and getting confused. And I find there are a lot of people get confused about what they mean, what they believe. You know, there are kind of, it's almost like there are two distinct avenues that one can go down when it comes to healing and health in the Bible. You can either, from one point of view, believe I am sick, now I can come to Jesus who is my healer, I can pray and believe and he will heal me, whether it's healing under the anointing or whether it's going to him on the word and believing that you receive. But you understand that first, the prerequisite for divine healing is sickness, isn't that so? Before you can get healed, you've got to be sick. So that's divine healing. And that's where many of us are, and many of us have come to a place where we have accepted that. Even in the established churches, we see that at last, 
the revelation of the healing power of God is being preached in places where we, we thought a few years ago that it would never be preached. The healing power of God is being preached. We've even come to a place where, where we've got beyond the idea that God, well, he's sitting up there playing a kind of Russian roulette with sick people, saying, well, you can have it tonight, and well, no, I'm not going to do you, and uh, well, you can learn a bit further um, before I heal you. We've got beyond that stage, I believe, where we think that God is kind of picking and choosing. We are, have an understanding, don't we, that, that God desires for people to be well. He desires for all his people to be well. We know that there are varying ways that he heals. We see it in, in our churches, varying ways that, that, that God will heal. And we have, yet we still have questions about that. We know it's God's will to heal us. And very often, we have to come to a place where we understand that it's God's will to heal me. We have to get beyond a lot of our, our thinking, a lot of our, a lot of our teaching even, a lot of the understanding that we have that, well, maybe God won't do it for me because I'm not good enough or because I haven't fulfilled all these criteria. But basically, we've come to an understanding that healing is available to the children of God. But on the other hand, we have divine health. And we talk divine health. We hear it spoken about. We hear people say, well, I walk in divine health. And we hear testimonies of divine health. Well, you know, the prerequisite for divine health is health. You know that? You don't need to be sick to be in health. That's the difference between divine healing and divine health. Divine healing is God's will, but it's not God's best. Divine health, in fact, divine life is God's best. Divine healing says... I know you can heal me now that I am sick, Lord. Divine health says I can't get sick. I'm not talking Christian science. I'm saying because of what Jesus did for me at Calvary, my place in Christ says that sickness is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. Health belongs to me. You see, if you're over this side, then you're saying I have sickness. It is mine. Now I'm coming to Jesus to receive something, healing, which will dispel the sickness. But if you're over here, see, if you've begun to understand divine health, then you say, hold on, sickness doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me. It's not mine, it's the devil's. Health is mine. Therefore, I am not trying to get healed. I am forbidding sickness. There is a totally different... Do you see? Do, do, you, do you get that? Well, you'll get it as we go through. I don't want to run ahead of myself. You have to start where you are, of course. And um, God will meet you where you are. Too much trouble has been got into by too many saints of God by trying to be where someone else is. If you're trying to be where Kofi is, then you may fall down. See? Because Kofi's been working at it a long time. If I try to be in the same place as Eleanor, I may fall down. Because Eleanor's been going a, a different length of time to me. Do you see? We each of us have to walk in our own revelation that we have from God. You can't walk in something I tell you. You can't. You can come and get healed tonight because I, I tell you what the Word says. And we can just call upon the grace of God and the healing power of God and you can get healed if you're sick. But I want to get beyond that, don't you? Who wants to get beyond being sick and getting healed and walking in divine health? That's where I want to be. I want to be in a place where I can say, devil, get out of here. You're just a liar. I'm not receiving that. I want to build it up inside me. I want to believe for health before I'm sick. 
I want to believe that I am healed. I want to get it from God. But there are a few things in Matthew 8 that we can learn. So let's just go through there. I'm running ahead of myself here. Matthew chapter 8. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed. It's good to note that Jesus was up preaching. He wasn't sitting around watching TV, you know. He'd been, and he wasn't going into the hospitals here to dig out all the sick people and lay hands on them, you know. He wasn't looking for sickness to heal. He was preaching the word. And look what happened. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He knew that God could do it. He just didn't know if he would. Well, see what Jesus said. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See, see thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. That leper asked. He heard about the power of Jesus. He heard what had been happening. And he came and he asked. Just like you've maybe heard, they have healing services at Victory Church on Wednesday night. I'm sick. Let's go and see if Jesus will heal me. I know he can. Let's go and see if he will. Well, his answer to you tonight is the same as his answer to the leper then. Because he's the same today as he was then. It's, I will. I will. I will heal you. If you've come for, he for, for healing, I will heal you. That's his answer to all those who come with sickness in their body. Going on, he says, And when Jesus entered, was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, unto, said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel." He had faith because he believed what Jesus said. He believed that God had, that Jesus had the authority of God. See, sometimes we get ourselves into a conditioning that we believe we can only get it in one way. We have to do this or do that. We have to go here or go there. This person or that person has to lay hands on me. We get it into our minds that we can only get healed if we have hands laid on us. Or we can only get healed if, if this happens or that happens. Well, Jesus did healings in all different ways. He didn't say, um, he, he didn't have to go and lay hands on that person, but he would have done. He said, I'll come. But look what the centurion said. He said, no, don't come. Just send your word. See, he maybe knew the scripture, Psalm 107.20, that said he sends his word and heals us and delivers us from our destructions. See, God sends his word and heals. He sends his word and heals. He can heal just with a word. Just with a word, as simple as that. You can be listening to a cassette tape and get healed. You can watch a video. One time in my house, I had a video playing. There was a lady sitting on my sofa, and we were just chatting. We weren't watching the video. It was playing in the background. It was actually a video of Vicki Jameson when she was at a convention at Kensington Town Hall here. And she was singing out healings. She had been ministering in, in song and in spirit and just ministering healing in song. And she began to sing out healings. And we were just sitting there chatting, not being spiritual at all. You know, not at all spiritual. Having a cup of coffee and a chat. You know, ah, 
not spiritual. Do you know something? You don't have to be real spiritual to get something from God. He's real, do you know that? He's a real God. She was sitting there on the settee. Vicki Jameson called out her healing. The power of God hit her, and she said, Glory, I'm healed. She wasn't even looking for it. She believed God for her healing. She prayed and, and praised God that she was healed, but she hadn't received yet. And as that lady sang out her healing, she sang out, I don't know what it was, some, some kind of sickness that this lady had, was healed, and the power of God hit her, and she was healed. Isn't that tremendous that God can do it in all different ways? I love to see the different ways God works. I just love it. He never ceases to surprise me. I love, to, I love it because, you know, when you begin to minister, you've got no idea what he's going to do. You've got no idea. It's great because, you know, it's his responsibility. <laughs> it's over to you, Holy Ghost, and he can do what he wants. And then all the glory goes to him because he is the healer. He comes in our midst with a desire to see us well. He has the best for us. He loves us so much. That blows your mind if you really begin to think about that. You know, really begin to think about it. He loves us so much that he'll do anything that he can within his word to get you healed. He'll do anything because he wants you healed more than you want to be healed. He wants you well more than you want to be well. Isn't that amazing? That God should be so concerned about you that he wants you well. I think that's wonderful. He loves you. That's mind-blowing. That God is so big. We have this, that we, we need sometimes to get a bigger picture of God. I've just been saying to the students, the, the part-time students this week, we need to, to enlarge our vision. We need to get a picture of how big God is. Do you know that's one of the things that can happen in worship? You can come to a place where you see how big he is. He is so big that our little problem shrinks. You know, the problem that seems so big before you started looking at God, you know, that problem that you've been carrying around that's been so heavy, that's been dragging you down for weeks and months maybe, you start to look at how big God is. You start to see how big he is, how magnificent he is, and that little problem just shrivels up and falls off. Because you know that if, he can, if he's so big that he can hold the world in the palm of his hand, that he created everything that you see and everything you can't see as well, that your little problem is no problem to him. He can handle it. Do you know when I was looking at this centurion's thing, God gave me this scripture some while ago. I'll just share this with you. You can receive it or not, okay? Some while ago, I was living near Salisbury and uh, I had gone to a, a very straight Bible study, you know, real straight. You know what I mean by that, you know? If you prayed in tongues, you're a heretic. <laughs> and I had gone to this Bible study, and while I was there, a German lady came to, and spoke to me, and she said, would you pray for my mother? Would you pray for me? What, can I stand in proxy for my mother who is sick? And there was no way we could do it there in this Bible study, you know. So we had, I said, well, sure, when? And we made an agreement of when I was going to go down the next day or something, and or next evening. And I just had this quickening in my spirit to ask her to obtain her mother's permission. She said, well, sure. I said, you know, is she a believer? And she said, yes, she is. But there's no one in Germany living near her that believes in healing. 
or that could lay hands on her. She would love to get someone to lay hands on her, but she can't, and she, she just wants to be healed. So I just had this, this notion to get her to get permission. Well, I had heard about praying in proxy, and I had seen people being prayed for in proxy. I, you know, I'd been involved in it, but I had never thought about it. You know, I'd never really got any scripture on it. Well, I like to have the word on it. If I'm going to do something, I like to know what God says about it. So I went home, having made the arrangement to go back, and I started to ask God about it. I said, Lord, why did you ask me to, to ask her to get her mother's permission? And he said, well, you can't change a person's will. You can't go against a person's will. So unless you have her mother's permission to pray, then um, she is not in a position to receive. And I said, and he, he led me to this scripture. And I said, yeah, but Lord, are we to just assume then that he got this servant's permission? Because I don't see him asking his servant here whether he can go to Jesus and ask him to get healed. And the Lord took me to another scripture. He took me to John chapter 4. I like it when God does this with me. I get on a little chase through the Bible and I get all excited and on my own in the bedroom I, and I go from page to page and scribble things down and isn't that wonderful when God shows you something new? It might not be new to anybody else but when it's new to you, you know, you leap around a bit, don't you? You know, when it's new to you, you, ooh, glory. Well, this was new stuff to me. I never heard anybody say anything like this before. Verse 45 of chapter 4. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. And Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And I thought, Well, okay, Lord, but I don't see him asking his son's permission here. What are you trying to show me here? And the Lord just showed me as I meditated here that the only time that anybody in Scripture received healing in behalf of another was when they had authority over them. You see, in the first story in Matthew 8, the servant was under authority of the master. Do you see that? And in the second story here, the father had authority over the son. So it, it may just, you know, maybe you knew that already or maybe you don't accept that. Maybe you've had proxy prayer for somebody and they got healed. But, you know, the principle is there. I see a principle here. And I see an answer to why sometimes we get confused. You know, well, I stood in proxy for so-and-so and they didn't get healed. Well, did you have their permission to stand in proxy for them? Did you then tell them that you had done so? Now, of course, there's a place where we can be in intercession. I'm not talking about that. I have seen people healed after being in intercession for them, and they haven't known anything about it. But that's a different thing. But just proxy prayer, prayer for healing by proxy or for anything else by proxy. 
It's a principle, and we need to understand these principles. God doesn't put things in here just for the good of his health, okay? He puts them in here for the good of our health. So if we have principles, we can learn why. Sometimes we don't have understanding, and we just kind of throw it in the air and say, well, you know, maybe God didn't, maybe God didn't want to heal me, or, well, we don't believe that, so perhaps it must be something I did. It must be that I was in sin, or maybe I didn't pray enough, or maybe I didn't read the Bible enough, or maybe I didn't do this, or didn't do it. It's none of those things. None of those things. Mostly, and, and we've had a lot of teaching in, in the faith movement, and I, I put that in inverted commas, because praise God, we've moved on from there. We're not stuck in a movement. We've moved on where the Holy Ghost is leading us. But we had a lot of teaching where people, no love, you know, faith, love out the window. You know, that's old hat. We don't love anymore. We're just in faith. We're just powerful faith people. You know, sick, where have you sinned? You know, you must be in sin. If you're sick, you must have sinned. And we were talking to people like that. Well, you know, this is the kind of way we were behaving to our brothers and sisters. We may not have been quite so blunt and said it quite like that, but, you know, there are more ways, more than one way to skin a cat. You know, you can make somebody feel like they need to crawl under the next stone by being real sweet. You know, and Christians know how to do it. They really do. So we've got to remember that love. Do you know, I heard something I thought was real good. Principles are wonderful. But you know, principles, and they're important. God gave us principles. And it's great he gave us principles. If we've got principles, we can get a hold of something. But you know, principles always come under love. They always come under love. So you might have a principle that's really important to you. The guy who was sharing this, he, he has a principle of teetotalism who was speaking to me. And, and he really has strong teetotal principles. I mean, he, he just would just as soon die as a little drop of alcohol touch his lips. And he preaches against alcohol. You know, he really believes that. However, um, you know, he, his brother died of alcoholism. And so he's really, it's an emotional thing more than anything else. And he'd probably admit to that. But he said, he said, I have a principle of teetotalism. But when that principle is more important than people, than love of people, then it's not worth anything. See, you may have a principle that's in operation in your life, but principles are always subject to love. Always. See, because God is love first. He is love. His whole way is love. He heals out of love. In fact, the next bit of story here, the next... Um, uh, after that, uh, of course, the centurion went his way and the servant was healed in the self-same hour, it says. That's something we need to remember. It was the self-same hour. Do you know, I hear people say, well, I prayed for healing and I didn't get it. Well, you weren't looking for healing. You were looking for a miracle. See? When you come praying for a miracle, miracles are instant. Well, you know, we live in an instant society. You know, I've just been in America. It just blew me away, I tell you. I thought we were lazy. My Lord. I, I, it was incredible. Bank. Drive-in banks. Drive-in banks. I couldn't believe it. I laughed. I, I laughed all the way to the bank. <laughs> I mean, I laughed all the way from the bank. Have you ever seen Drive-in. You drive into this, this place and there's, there was like an office over there and there's kind of two lanes and there's this post thing with a microphone and a... And a um, a box, and you pull out this plastic box thing, 
and you put your check in it and they say, good morning, you know, you say good morning and you put this check in, there's some guy way over there in a little office with a microphone and you put your check in this little box and you shove it through this hole and it goes up and across and down, you see it drop down into this little office and they take it out and they open it up and they examine your check and they say, how would you like it? See? And then you tell them how you'd like it and then they put the money in the little box and they send it back across and it comes out and you take it and you count it and you say thank you very much and they say have a nice day and you drive off. Can you believe it? I couldn't believe it. My husband said, what do you do if you want to hold them up? You put a bullet in the box. He said, the next box contains a bullet. <laughs> this is a stick up. <laughs> Instant, I tell you. But we, we get this mentality, we're catching it, you know, and we haven't got enough room over here for instant, for instant banks. So we, you're not allowed to park outside the bank here, you know, in case it's a getaway car. So, you know, it, I tell you what, Americans in England, they've got to be called. I really know that. Our pastors, they are called by God, I'm telling you. Anybody that leaves that for this, got to be called by God, I'm telling you. But, Instant. We become instant. Miracles are like that. A miracle just happens in front of your eyes. But you see, sometimes we come for healing and we expect a miracle. Sometimes you get a miracle. But you see, oftentimes we come and we pray for healing and we have the word on healing and we believe for healing. And when we don't get a miracle, we go away saying, well, I didn't get healed. But healing comes. This servant, it was an hour. And you'll find many, many, many examples in Scripture where they were on their way and they got healed. Or then within the next hour they got healed. The healing comes. Sometimes it comes instant. You get a miracle. Sometimes it doesn't come instantly. But you see, if it always came instantly, you wouldn't need faith. You wouldn't need faith. If it always came just like that, what would be the point of having faith? You see, faith is that period of time between asking and believing and actually seeing the manifestation. It's with faith and patience we inherit the promises. So if we didn't, if we didn't ever have to wait for anything that we ask God for, we would never have to build our faith. We would never have faith. It would just be instant society, you know, instant mashed potato, instant banks and instant miracles. And then when we didn't get it instantly, we'd bawl and squall and shout and scream that God don't love me anymore. But you see, healing comes. Healing comes. You lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Recover comes. You know, it's not there. It comes. And sometimes it comes quicker than others. But you see, we have to come to a place where we just believe God. It's as simple as that. We believe God. We ask, we believe, and we stand on it. Having done all to stand, stand. If you're sick, that's the place to start. You start with the word. You start by believing God. If you have hands laid on you, then you believe you'll receive your healing. And from that point on, you start building yourself up on your most holy faith. You pray in the Holy Ghost. You read the word of God. You build that up inside you. You speak the word of God of healing. So that, and then you just keep praising God you've received it and then it will come but don't just look for instantaneous miracles that's wonderful, that's a blessing miracles are a blessing but healing will always come and while you're waiting your faith is building up hallelujah you can build your faith the next thing that Jesus did was he, he was moved by compassion he went into Peter's house it says and he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever and he touched her hand in the other um, gospels it says that they besought him on her behalf 
they actually went to him and said, well, you know, she's sick, Jesus. What are you going to do about it? And obviously he was invited there. So he went in and laid his hands on her, touched her, and the fever left her, and she got up and ministered to him. Compassion. He was moved by compassion. Do you know there are many, many miracles that Jesus did, and many times he healed people just out of that compassion, the compassionate heart. If you want a healing ministry, you know, you build that heart of compassion. If you don't have compassion, if you don't have love, you'll never have a healing ministry. You never will. You've got to love. See, it doesn't matter what you're going to do for Jesus, what kind of ministry you're looking for. If you don't love, then what is it? It's just a waste of time. Love, it all comes out of that love. Jesus moved out of compassion. There's power in that. I was, um, and there was a young man when I was in Tennessee. Um, I don't know how old he was, between 18 and 20, somewhere around there. And, uh, and when I was ministering, the Lord just spoke to me and, and told me that he had a, a heart of compassion and that it embarrassed him at times, that he would be so full of love and compassion that he would weep for people. And he, his heart was so soft that he was embarrassed, that he almost felt like he wasn't a man, that he was a bit effeminate because of it, you know. And God spoke to me to tell that young man, that's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. Jesus had a heart of compassion. It's manly. It's not effeminate to have a soft heart for people. That's godly. It's godly. It's a, it's a powerful thing, compassion. So any of you guys that feel you've got a soft heart and you want to hide it sometimes, no, that's manly. It takes a man to cry on someone else's behalf. Jesus wept. It takes a, a man to do that. A man. You girls can weep as well, but you know, women are, women are generally softer, uh, more able to show. We've, we've had this conditioning, haven't we? You know, oh, men don't cry, you know. Well, Jesus did, you know, heart of compassion. And people got healed, hallelujah. <laughs> when even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick. The devil is responsible for sickness, he's responsible for, for all the other kind of things that, that uh, plague us in our lives. And Jesus dealt with all of them. He dealt with all of them. It doesn't matter whether you're sick in mind or body or whether you're sick in heart, whether you, you're, you have physical ailments or whether you're depressed and oppressed. Jesus dealt with all those things and he dealt with them all the same way. He paid the same price for all those things. It says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He really did. He took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Do you know, Jesus healed, but he walked in divine health. I find it so sad that many people who have an understanding of divine healing, in fact, minister divine healing, actually are used powerfully in divine healing, don't know how to stay healed themselves. They don't know how to stay healed. They get sick and then they have to go around looking for someone else that's got a gift because they've just never learned how to, how to get the word in their hearts and stay healed. You know, David Watson is a prime example. You know, don't stone me. <laughs> 
He's a prime example, precious man of God, loved the Lord, knew about the healing power of God, didn't understand it. Catherine Coleman, another one. She had a powerful healing anointing, but she didn't know how to keep herself well. She didn't know how to get healed. You know, that's sad, isn't it? When it's there in the Word. Jesus knew how to stay well. He knew that the Scripture said that no plague can come upon me. He wasn't fussy when he touched lepers. You know, lepers carried bells so that nobody would go near them. Jesus didn't worry. He touched them. He knew he couldn't catch what they had. He knew they were going to catch what he had. See? You know, he had health. He knew they'd catch that. We don't have to worry about sickness. We have to come to that place where, you know, it, we, we're not concerned about the sickness getting on us because we have divine health. We have the life of God in us, the health of God in us. Jesus walked in that divine health. Paul walked in divine health. Look at Acts 28. That's a good example of divine health. Oh, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in this one. Acts chapter 28. If it's good for Jesus and it's good for Paul, it's good for me, amen? God's no respecter of persons. You know, I got it all back to front, you know. I, when I heard about healing, I, I loved Jesus long before I knew he could do anything for me except save me from going to hell, you know. And I praise God for that sometimes because a lot of people, they come into, they, they get saved into this wonderful abundant message of healing and prosperity and faith and very often it, it's almost like we get thrown out of balance sometimes no foundation and we have to keep going back to foundations to build I praise God I had a foundation I loved the Lord when I knew when I didn't know he could do anything for me I loved the Lord then I had a relationship with him then and then I found out about health but I did it the other way around I didn't know anything about anointing I thought anointing was only what Jesus had. <laughs> I read here that it says, my anointing is upon me. You know, your anointing is upon me. And that Jesus said it. I didn't know people could be anointed. You know, I was really ignorant. But I, ho I saw in the word that I could be healed. I saw in the word that God promised me divine health. And I saw it in operation in the word. And I said, that's mine. I want it. One o'clock one Sunday morning, I got down on my knees before God. And I had Isaiah 53 open. And I had... Galatians 3.13, that I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. And I just knelt down there and I said, Father, I can't see anywhere in the word to prove what I've heard is a lie. I heard a tape. I said, I can't find anywhere to prove it's a lie. I know that your word promises me health. And from this moment on, I will confess nothing, but I walk in divine health. And I have never been to a doctor since. Hallelujah. I never had to. That's 12 years ago. I never had to. Not that there's anything wrong with doctors, I just never had to. I had a hold of that before I knew I could get healed by laying on of hands. I didn't know that I could go forward and get healed. So I never looked to get healed from any other way except going to the Word. I had a lot of opportunities, I made a lot of mistakes, I did a lot of stupid things. I went to the extreme, you know, where I wouldn't take a pill just in case God might think I wasn't in faith. Oh, I tell you, you can laugh, some of you have been there too. Yeah. Oh, bless God, I'm not going to take any medication. No way, I'm not going to take any medication. God might think I'm not in faith. You think your faith is dependent upon whether you take an aspirin? No, it's not. You see, faith is something you build in your heart through the word. 
It's not dependent upon physical things. You know, why do you, I mean, all that happens if you don't take a Panadol is you've got a headache. You know, you suffer. You know, doesn't prove to God, you know, if you're lying there suffering, doesn't prove to God you're in faith. You don't have to prove to God you're in faith. Do you know that? You know? But we get it all back to front. I did. You know? I used to walk. I mean, confession, my Lord. Do you know, Paul, let's read this. Go back to this. On Malta, chapter 28. And when they were escaped, and they knew that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. You know, did you ever see that television program, Peter and Paul? Did you ever see that? I saw that in Germany when it first came out years ago. We were sitting in bed. My husband wasn't saved at the time, you know. And I saw that program. For the most part, it was good. But I spent the whole time going through saying, no, that's not true, that's not true, that's not what the Bible says, you know, showing him just in case, you know, he might just hear the word. And one of the things that really bugged me about that program, there was Paul, bandaged hand, you know, <laughs> swollen arm, and they're saying, you really need to get that scene too, Paul. You know, and he's like this. And of course, eventually he gets healed. But, you know, I don't see that in Scripture. Paul just went, well, hang on. What about confession? I don't see Paul going around, oh, hallelujah, praise God, I'm healed. Glory to God, by his stripes I'm healed, hallelujah. No sting shall, oh, no, no snake can arm me out and tread on deadly serpents. I don't see that, you know. Why? I'm not saying that's wrong to confess. I'm not saying confession's wrong, but we've got it the wrong way around, you see. We've been making confessions to convince God and to convince ourselves. See? We confess because we believe. Confession doesn't necessarily mean walking around quoting scriptures for four hours. Confession is, that's okay, you know, I'm healed. Jesus bore my sicknesses. That's a confession. See? A confession is something you believe. A confession is, all it is, is agreeing with what God says. See, Paul didn't have to, oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, where does it say it? <laughs> you know? I don't see that. See, he knew who he was and he knew what his rights were. He knew. He'd gone beyond having to work it up or, or, or get it in. I'm not saying that you have to do it. See, we can get into religion on that as well, saying, no, don't confess. I'm not going to confess. I'm not going to confess. You know? You just do what you feel to do, but you don't have to do it to, to make God do something. See, we've, we've done it to make God do it. I shared with some folks last time I ministered on health, healing, something that happened to me. I'll share it again because it might just help some of you. I was staying up in um, Leeds, and I, I had been put in the home of a gentleman who was just beginning to understand healing and health. And his wife had been sick for about 30 years. She had 
had postnatal depression after her second child and never recovered, basically. She was a born-again, spirit-filled believer and didn't know anything about healing. She was under medication, hadn't spoken tongues for years, real problem. Had, hadn't let anyone in the house for years. And, of course, Muggins is the first one they let in and I'm put there, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled, but, you know, thank you, Father, for your provision. You know, you know the kind of thing, don't you? So we were there. And we had a tremendous meeting. I was, we were with another minister who was ministering healing, and we had a powerful meeting. And uh, it was real late, and I went to bed that night, and I was going to have a lie-in the next morning, and I'd said, I'm not going to get up in the morning, I'm going to have a lie-in. Well, you know, at 7 o'clock in the morning, she knocked on my door. She was panicked, this lady. She said, Jan, please come, please come. My husband is sick. And I got up out of bed, and I, I just began to pray in the spirit. You know, her, you know, my first thought was, oh, God, there goes my lie-in, you know. So I got up. You're not that spiritual when you're woken up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Have you noticed that? So I got up and I went into his bed. And I didn't, I mean, what I saw, hallelujah, this guy was lying on the bed and he was just bathed in sweat. And it was like there was something inside him. He was being thrown around. It was like this lump had come up on the side of his body. And it was kind of moving. And he was being thrown around and he was, you know yelling and get out devil in the name of Jesus and all he knew to do and I just walked over, I was praying in the spirit I walked over and I rebuked that in the name of Jesus and commanded it to lose its hold on him nothing happened but you know I was moving in the anointing and I said get up <laughs> get up, you know this guy's been thrown around, I mean you know you don't think in situations like that, it's a good job we don't think in situations like that, I said get up you're healed, you know he didn't look healed so he got up and he's walking around and he's still doing this and sweating and, and he's, get out in Jesus' name, get out in the name of Jesus. And I said, and he went to the bathroom and I said, no, I've already commanded the devil to loose his hold on you. You start praising God, he's gone. You start praising God for what you have now. We've already done the praying. You start praising God. So he's in the bathroom and he's praising God and I'm walking with the, the wife. I mean, she's praying in tongues for the first time in 30 years, you know, <laughs> terrified, you know. She's standing there like this. And I'm walking around. The Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? <laughs> what? Well, what do you mean, Lord? What am I doing? You know, I'm being spiritual here, you know. I mean, he said, what are you doing? And I stopped and I thought, what am I doing? I'm helping God, that's what I'm doing. You know, if I pray in the Spirit, I might just bring about what I've already believed in faith for. The Lord said, you just prayed in faith. Do you believe my word or don't you? I said, I believe. I said to her, come on, we'll go downstairs and have a cup of tea. She went, oh, I said, she was the one who needed ministry, you know, not the guy, he's already, he's already got it, you know. God's already, the word's already gone forth. If he ain't got it now, he ain't getting it right? You know, that's, that's the truth. So I left him in the bathroom, you know, groaning and moaning and praising God. Took her downstairs, made her a cup of tea and some toast, and we're sitting there, and I can still hear him upstairs groaning and moaning, you know, and I'm saying, well, hallelujah, you know, God's word is true. I said, don't you worry. Listen, God's word is true. We have prayed according to the word of God, and God is on a bound to fulfill his word. You know, that's as simple as that. Well, then it went real quiet. And the devil said to me, he's dead. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sitting there and all through my mind, I'm thinking, God, what do I do now? You know, I don't say that, I'm thinking it. And I said, oh, praise God. I said, he's gone to sleep. <laughs> the Lord is giving him rest. You know, so he can, isn't, that, isn't God good, you know, and all the time I'm thinking, dear Lord, don't let him be dead. 
<laughs> really, you know, you know, we get doubts, you know, sometimes. So I didn't say anything. So after about 10 minutes, you know, I couldn't stand it any longer. I said, I'm going up to the bathroom, you know. You know. <laughs> so I head up the stairs, you know, and I'm praying all the way up the stairs. You know, and I heard him saying, oh, Jesus. Oh, glory to Jesus. And I went, oh, glory to Jesus. <laughs> he was healed. He was healed. Praise God. I mean, he was healed. And I don't know what it was. I know who it was. That's all that matters. You know, we spend too much time diagnosing. Who cares what it is? We know who it is, the devil. And we know how to deal with the devil. He's under our feet. We know how to deal with the devil. I know how to deal with the devil in my life. I've learned how to do that. I just don't receive. I deny the devil the right. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like John G. Lake. He went into an area where there was bubonic plague. He said, stick it on there. Yeah. He said, it can't live on me. The life of God is in me. Hallelujah. I want to be in that place. But it doesn't come easy. I mean, if you, know, if you want an easy solution, go to the doctor. I mean, you know, you get sick, you want a quick and easy solution, go to the doctor. He won't heal you, but he'll make you feel better while you're getting healed. But better to come to a place where you believe God for your health now. Better to build that up. You know, better to start telling your body. You know you have authority over your body. Body, your body isn't you. Body, you come in line with what God says. You function in the perfection in which God created you to function. You will honor God today. You know, bones, you get in line. Blood, you do what you're supposed to do. You know, you speak to your body every day. Not when you're sick. Don't wait till you're sick. By the time you wait till you're sick, then you've got to go get healed. Don't wait till you're sick. Start getting health now. Start believing God for health. Believe God the way Paul believed God. And don't, start, don't get into works. Don't start thinking, if I do a bit of this and I do a bit of that. No, just trust God. Just learn to build up his word. It takes time. It takes time. You don't get to the place where, where you can just say, well, hallelujah, I don't need an operation. You don't get there in two weeks. You know? You'll die. <laughs> you know? I know people say, oh, no, no, I can't have an operation. Would that be faith? I mean, you can be real foolish. Some guy called me one day and he said, should I have my baby inoculated? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, would that be faith? I said, well, would it be foolishness not to? You know? He said, well, I don't want to be out of faith. Listen, if you've got to ask, am I in faith? You're not in faith. You know? If you've got to ask about that, apart from that, Faith isn't sensible. No, it's not. Faith isn't logical. It isn't sensible. But it's not stupid either. You know where you're at. And if you, it's better for you to drop down a level of faith, if you like, so that you know that you know that you know that that's where you are, than to try and attain a level where you ain't sure, because then you're not in faith. See? Well, maybe God might heal me with an operation. You know, one time I heard a lady say, well, you know, I believe that God has healed me, but if that hasn't happened by Friday, I'm going in hospital. <laughs> you know but you know we laugh but we've all done it we've all done it you know but God understands hallelujah <laughs> and he honours us you know sometimes I see us doing such silly things I've done some stupid things you know but the bottom line is God wants us well he wants us well now see you can um, 
Start now. You can start tonight. If you're sick, if you've got sickness in your body tonight and you want healing, you can start right now by believing God for health. See, you can, you can come and we'll pray for you and you can receive your healing. And then from this moment, then you begin to walk in divine health. You can make a choice. You can either, you can get healed now and then you can say, okay, I'm healed, hallelujah, and then forget all about healing till the next time you're sick. And then you start again. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to get healed tonight and then I'm going to go on. I'm not going to let sickness take control of me again. I don't deny I can get sick. I just deny the right for sickness to stay. See, because I am the healed. I am the healed that the devil is trying to steal from. I'm not sick. And I refuse to let the devil steal from me. He steals too much. He gets away with too much from the body of Christ. And I refuse to let him. I'm just, I'm, well, I'm just too stubborn. I'm just too stubborn and I'm stupid enough to believe what God says. So, if you have sickness in your body tonight, then I'd like to pray for you. How are we doing for time? Oh, what? Gosh. Okay. <laughs> then I would like to pray for you. So, if there's anyone sick in their body, has anyone actually got sickness in their body that they'd like to be healed for? If you'd like to, stand to your feet now and we'll pray for you. Is there anyone sick? Anyone got pain they need healing for? Okay, come on, come out and I'll pray for you. If you've got pain or sickness in your body, come on out and I'll pray for you. I'd like to lay hands on you. We're going to use the principle of laying on of hands. That's just the way I'm going to do it. That's not the only way to do it, but that's what I'm going to do. And I believe that when I lay my hands on you, the power of God is going to go into you and heal you. And I don't really care what happens to your body after that. You see, that's not my business. That's not my job. Whether you get it now or you get it tomorrow, that's not my job. My job's to lay hands on you and believe. Your job's to believe you receive. And then keep praising God that you've got it. And God's job is to make sure you get it. See, we all work together. I like, God's like a cooperative, isn't he? You know, we've all got a bit to do. I do my bit, you do your bit, and he does his bit. Well, if I'm going to do my bit and you're going to do your bit, we can be sure that he's going to do his bit. Isn't that right? So, I want you to believe God tonight. I want you to believe that you're going to receive. I want you to expect God. Expect a miracle. Expect him to do it instantly. But if it doesn't happen instantly, expect to receive every moment of the day. Expect, don't, don't start looking down the road. Just expect to receive before you leave here. Expect to receive before you reach the bus stop. Expect to receive before you get home. Expect to receive before you go to sleep. Expect to receive when you get up. In fact, just keep expecting. See, that's what faith is. It's just keep expecting. And if, you, if your body doesn't change instantly, you say, body, you're healed. I praise God, my body's getting better every day. Every moment is getting better. You see, when Jesus spoke to that fig tree, he didn't see anything happen that day. It was a whole 24 hours before you even saw the results, but it was starting, deep down, it was starting. So that's what I want you to do tonight. Just feel like that fig tree. The moment that word has gone forth, the moment you receive, when I lay my hands on you, I believe that you're going to receive. I believe the anointing of God is going to touch your bodies, and I believe you're going to receive. And I want you immediately to try and do something you couldn't do before. If you had pain, then move around and, and check out that pain. If you can check out your sickness, do so. Check out it's gone. Okay? If not, then give us a praise report and give us it for the magazine by Friday. <laughs> Hallelujah. We want them by Friday, Father, because we want testimonies for the magazine. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you.